Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sponsoring juice is dandy. You are listening to Phantasm Podcast. Hey, this is Trevor Sturdad. Hi, this is Brack from the Black Dahlia Murder. Captain Sarah from the Captain Gabriel Warrior. This is Anthony Michael Hall. This is Dave. And this is Brett from Revocation. Hey, this is Larissa from Venom Visit. Sarah from Suffocation. Podcast. Join your host, Corey Gorkreis and Dr. Vincent West for exclusive interviews with the sickest bands in metal and more. Head over to cultofantasm.com, the only gravesite for all things horror and death metal. No filler, all killer. Now, please welcome our guest of honor. This is King Buzzo from the Melvins, and you're listening to Phantasm Podcast. Christ Phantasm Podcast. I am here with the one and only Buzz Osborne, King Buzzo. Here to talk about some horror, talk about quarantine shit, how we're holding up, and uh, also your your new uh, solo release that's coming out. Is it still right. is it still due to come out May fifteenth? That's the plan. Hell yeah! Let's get the sacrifice. Ipecac Records got Trevor Dunn. If people don't know him by now, you know, you guys worked on Phantom House together, which I fucking love Phantom House too, and, and Melvin's Light, which is amazing. Um, yeah. So I guess before we really get into all the, the super crazy shit, um, you know, how you how you holding up so far? 
to get. So. <laughs> We've been on house arrest for the better part of a couple weeks, so. And me and my wife have, you know, been following it. We went to the store a couple times, that's it. Yeah, you kind of have to at least, you know, a little bit, get what you can, you know. Um, but, you know, if you if you are used to seeing 20 people a day and you cut it down to, you know, three a week, you know, you're really lowering your chances of getting anything. That's true, yeah. Drastically. You know, a lot I don't of, think they're really taking that into consideration. You know? No. You know, a lot of places, too, are just kind of like, hey, you know, there's not enough cases of it to really worry about it. It's like, well, that's kind of the point of why you just uh, avoid people to begin with. So maybe that doesn't happen. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, if everybody's in lockdown, I don't know how anybody's going to get it. Right. Well, yeah. If, you know, you had the, the governor of New York saying that 80% of the people in New York are going to get it. Well, if you're in lockdown, how exactly would that happen? Exactly. I, I have no idea. I don't either. It doesn't <laughs> make sense to me. Some people are freaking out. You know, I think people are doing mostly doing exactly what they're being told to do. Yeah. And yet they still say that it's just massive panic. So, <laughs> I don't know. You know, I believe people are getting sick, but as far as the rest of it's co- concerned, um, I think they should have a little more faith in the general public doing the right thing. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, not everybody's going to do it. I mean, people know that shooting heroin's a bad idea. They still do it. <laughs> Why? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't know. People know that, you know, you can go to prison if you stick up that liquor store, you know? They still do it. Yeah, they'll still do it. So, you know, I can't explain every sparrow's fall, you know? Exactly. It's all weird to me, but, you know, I think that what we're doing, a lot of the precautions we're taking and the things we're doing will work. Yeah. It'll absolutely lower the, the ability for this thing to continue to just burn through the population, you know? I agree. I also don't think that it's necessarily a death sentence if you get it. No, I mean, I I know some friends of friends that had it, and they, you know, they really just got to take normal precautions to kind of get it down, get your zinc levels up, your vitamin C, and fucking drink water, and, you know, the hot, hot liquids, because it's a respiratory thing, so if you get it to drop down in your stomach, then the stomach acid will fucking basically take it away, so, I mean, it's not that. With with older people, where they are have immunodeficient, you know, those people are at higher risk, but you can still get it taken care of and you'll probably be fine, you know. Just people that... Yeah, probably. I mean, you know, we live through this kind of stuff all the time and maybe not necessarily the same thing, but... Um, right. This one's killing baby boomers and I think that that's why people are so freaked out. <laughs> yeah. Because they're the ones that are in charge. Yeah, right. Because if it was killing people's babies, you think they'd shut down the whole fucking country? Hell no. They'd tell you that it was your fucking problem with your kid and that'd be <laughs> the end of it. Exactly. You know, you keep your kid out of here, but we're not shutting down our bitch. Fuck you. And so since it's them dying, they're losing their shit. We, we all have to go bankrupt because they're the ones that are dying, you know? Yeah. Okay. I mean, if you really want to go to bat for this thing this hard, I don't see how it can't not work. Right. You know, and, it, and they're going to figure something out. They're, I mean, doctors are smart. Yeah. They're smart people. They're gonna not under the order of a bureaucrat. Some some private industry guy is gonna figure out some combination of things. It's gonna work. Yeah, and it's only really been you know a few week, you know a couple weeks. For, right. You know, at least here. Right. You know. Right. So. And people, where do the massive innovations in medicine come from? The United States. That's right. We're sitting in the ground zero 
for medical research. Oh yeah, it's, you, know, you know, it's the middle of the, everybody depends on it. And you know, it's not going to come from Sweden or Venezuela or England. It's going to come from here. Yeah. When they figure it out, I mean, it could come from somewhere else. But by and large, most most medical innovations come from the U.S. Yeah. And so I have great faith in that sort of thing working. Yeah, I do you too. Know. And it's like, you know, yeah, I mean, you remember, I don't know if you remember, but in my lifetime, HIV was considered a death sentence for lots of people. And yeah. they've, they've, they've done wonders with that. You know, you're generally not expected to die. Yeah, now they have you know? just pills you can take. I mean, when that first happened, there really wasn't anything and nobody knew. Right. They were that it was heterosexually transmitted and on and on and on and, on, and everybody <laughs> was going to be the black plague and they figured something out yeah I don't I just don't I think that you know medical science has the ability to do a lot of stuff that people aren't counting on you know so I'm not I'm, I, I'm taking it very seriously I don't want to get sick but um, I also think that these people are reacting to the panic yeah and not to really what's going to help absolutely you know and, you and I think that can be bad and, but you're really seeing how, you know, there's way more good people in this country than there are bad, you know? Yeah, it's kind of a good thing, and, you know, yeah. pe- people coming together and being like, look, let's do this, and have a lot yeah. of friends that are like, if you are uncomfortable going out, I'll be happy to go out and get you things for I'll you. I'll help you out. Yeah, so there's and a lot if, of that. If, if you elected officials as dumb as you are, I think we should do these <laughs> things, we'll do our best. And then a big, like, political divide and how it's been for a few years, you know, it's nice to see that people kind of drop those things in time of panic, and people are like, hey, I'll help you. Like, we're still well, fucking human beings. Well, the is, like, the, the Democrats are sitting there trying to run a bunch of pork through this whole thing. <laughs> instead of fighting the, you know, it's like, that's what their whole point is. And what yeah. people need to get through their heads, it doesn't matter what party it is. Right. These, these political people who get elected owe their constituents money. Yeah. Yeah, that's and they're going to try to get it no matter what, no matter how many people it kills. They don't care. Exactly. It doesn't make any difference. And so when you're like me and my wife, which is you are the pro-death penalty, pro-abortion party, which party yep. is that? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> when you're the pro-gun, pro-legalized drugs party, which party is that? <laughs> you know, we're, we're stuck in the middle of all this stuff. I think I'll take a little bit from here, a little bit from there. Right. I'll find my truth in, in a way that and not let those people tell me what it is. Exactly. I think that's just called common sense. And I, I wish people would be a little more along those lines as opposed to uh, just thinking their side is right. I don't care whose side is right, you know? Yeah, it's, you know, it's all color-coded and black and red, and there's never a middle ground. It's always... Something. No. No, and then the other thing I, I think, it's like, you know, especially with the government's concerned, I feel these people making all these white predictions and all these things like that it's like how much do you think you know <laughs> it's like a new thing you know? and they're like this could spread to you know 96 million in a year and all this crazy shit it's like you don't I really could. I mean maybe I don't know how but you know maybe but maybe maybe, maybe you're right maybe you need you know, to freak people know. out the whole thing is weird <laughs> I just try to take it with a grain of salt yeah. be cool about it do the right thing do what's in front of you and like you said you know help out the people that are around you don't be stupid Exactly, but, but people do stupid shit all the time. Yes, you know? and that's what calls the herd. You know what I mean? That's human nature. Human nature. Not everybody's going to be good. <laughs> if you take a thousand people, there'll be some percentage of those people who just cannot follow the rules, no matter what. The vast majority of them will be fine. They'll do what they're supposed to do, and they'll be good people. 
you know, but then there'll always be that one little X factor that's going to screw everything up. But as long as you can get rid of those people, everything's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's when the nature comes back. Survival of the fittest. There you go. What was that? So that's where nature comes back. Survival of the fittest. There you go. I certainly can. You know? <laughs> survival of the fattest. <laughs> I'm fucked, then, man. I'm fucked. Oh, you're not fat. No, I am fat. Yeah, see, survival of the fattest. Okay. Well, that depends on what you mean by fat. If it's the fatter people live, or the fatter people, then the fatter people well, if you're out of food, would you be better off being underweight or overweight? That's true. <laughs> yeah, I got you now. Yeah. Huh? I said, I got you now. So who's first? <laughs> exactly. Fat is in. I remember that. <laughs> Went from dad bods to, hey, I could eat him if I have to. Fat is in. Yeah. Well, ask my dogs, what do they say? You can eat this steak right now or you can wait. <laughs> Take the fucking steak. Sounds good to me. Let's have it. Let's enjoy it while we got it. Yeah. Especially well, got to enjoy it. Flip it down see what happens later. <laughs> That's their whole plan. Yeah. Generally speaking. Yeah, they're smart. Oh, yeah. Well, they're, you know, there are, uh, in a lot of ways, they're spiritual giants. Yeah, that's true. And, uh, um, you get a lot from dogs. I know I do, so. Yeah, me too. Dogs are the best. Love it. Me and my wife are big, big dog people, so. What kind of dogs you got? Right now we have a Jack Russell and an American Hunt Terrier. Ooh, I love Jack Russells. They're great. Yeah. So the American Hunt Terriers are like Jack Russells, kind of. Oh, yeah? Okay. They can, sometimes their coloring makes them look like a miniature Rottweiler. Oh, okay. I think that's 14, 15 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> but they have a, those are, these dogs, pound for pound, they're the most vicious killers on the planet. <laughs> I oh, would yeah. say pound for pound, they're definitely the most vicious killers out there. <laughs> Yeah. Nothing would make these dogs happier than killing all day long. Yeah. They're just primal. That's their thing. Yeah. And so it's like, look, lady, what do you think I was going to do? I'm a Jack Russell. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to attack I'm Russell. I'm bred to do this. I, I want to kill all day long. That's what I want to do. <laughs> you look at any books about them, they'll always have, in, usually in bold print, it will say, these dogs cannot be trusted with small animals. <laughs> <laughs> they'll tear their shit apart. <laughs> You're going to learn the hard way if you don't take that seriously, you know. you got to read up that on That gerbil things. problem at your house, they're dead. That <laughs> parrot that you had, it's dead. You know, those cats, they're dead. Yeah. It's a fucking bloodbath when you come that, home. That's just what they do. <laughs> you know, until you know that. They're, they love to kill rats. They want to kill... I just, you know, you, once you know that, they're, they're, they're easy to deal with. Yeah. But it, it, it's when you don't take their nature into consideration is when the trouble starts. So. Right. But we are... Jack Russells are probably our favorite dog breed, and um, uh, they're smarter than, oh man, I don't think there's anything, you, the, the limitations are what you can teach them, mm -hmm. not what they can do, because I think they can do anything you can teach them. Right, you know? yeah, they're smart. They'll be able to figure it out, and they'll, you can look at them standing there in the middle of the room, and they're just studying you, what you're doing. <laughs> You know, they'll never miss anything. They're they're really good watchdogs. They're excellent companions. They're super, super intelligent and super uh, affectionate. They want adventure every single day. They want you know. They're just nothing will get you out of your house faster than that. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. And uh, uh, they're a big asset in my life. And me and my wife just love them to death. So. Oh, good. Yeah. 
and they love us too. So it's all it's all good. So I just can't imagine not coming home and having a dog there. You know? Yeah, yeah, I feel that. I'm out of a dog at the moment, but I miss having a dog. So yeah, I love it. Love it. I've had them for a couple of, more than a couple of decades. We've always had a dog. So. Good. Yeah. I have a yeah. fish, and he actually comes out when I get home, so it's kind of weird, but I actually have a... He wants food. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sometimes I feed him, he's like, no, I'm just going to keep fucking looking at you. I'm like, okay, well, I mean, whatever he's you want to do. He's playing games with you. Yeah. He's playing games. I like to think that he's... he gives a shit, because I'm like, wow, I've never had a fish that swims up, and he's like, hey, man. Usually they're just, like, hiding until you feed him, but he's got a he's got a cool personality. He actually does. Well, we used to have a couple of aquariums before we had dogs. Yeah. When we lived in... um an apartment we had two big huge aquariums nice yeah but once we got the dogs we ended up giving the aquariums away so yeah man he's just yeah it's kind of we had too much to do with the dogs oh yeah and he's just a, a lone beta he just has fun with yeah. his little flippers so he's, he's all good over there little fins we had uh, Oscars and stuff like that you know? oh yeah yeah the Oscars are cool they're like um, not as vicious piranhas, you know? <laughs> I've seen a piranha in a pet store, and he had one eye, so they call him, you know, one-eyed Willie or some crazy shit. Uh-huh. He, he would, he was just fucking, he was mean. He would just come up like, ah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, he was cool, though. You know, he had, you know, he's like a little pet store celebrity. It's like, I gotta go see one-eyed Willie. He can fucking exactly. freak out on me when I, you know, stare at him. Because he's got one eye, he's self-conscious, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, protective of the other one. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I'll, yeah. Knock, I'll knock your block off. And he just shows up and exactly. does his thing. But yeah, uh, first thing, we get into music a little bit. We want to say, uh, probably Phantom House, the director's cut. It's honestly my favorite Phantom House thing you guys did. Loved it. Yeah, that's probably my favorite one too, but it's hard for me being so close to it, you know? Right. Uh, my opinion's kind of ruined. <laughs> uh, by having, you know looking at it through different eyes than you have sure but Rosemary's Baby Devil Rides Out I appreciate those it's oh sure they're fucking sick and I love Rosemary's them. Baby that was a, a Polanski right yeah yeah Roman Polanski was a Christoph and Devil Rides Out that's a Hammer movie correct <clears throat> I want to say it's Hammer it's you know Christopher Lee yeah. 68 I believe and that's it's not like a Dracula one it's like Christopher Lee's like you know he's not Dracula he's uncovering like this this like cult that goes on. Yeah, he's, they they have that big cult, and they tell him if you stay inside this circle, you'll be safe. Yeah, and then they conjure up like the angel of death or whatever. Yeah, yeah. it's an awesome movie. You know, really I love good. I love Hammer movies. Oh yeah, me too. <clears throat> They're my favorite, just for the, the uh, just the ambiance alone. Yeah, and the, you know, a lot of people, you know, you try to show them movies like that and you know they're like oh this is old and boring it's like no these are like gems like they're still they still hold up and they're still just great movies and they're great acting and like the actual atmospheric horror to it it's not so much just like blood and gore and all this other stuff like there's a lot you know when I watch it I feel like I'm getting like an education from it it's almost like a library almost like it's nice you know they're great and they almost feel real with people like that you cannot argue with ignorance yeah exactly you cannot teach you can you know pearls before swine you know <laughs> yeah it's like they, they are just advertising in graphic detail that, that they're ignoramuses <laughs> but still you know so those are save like save your breath don't even try <laughs> but those are like top shelf for me you know still I don't you know I think there's stuff to come out later you know you can have top shelf horror stuff but I think that's still at like the top you know the Vincent Price shit and then that is like the 
still will always be on. Well, the Hammer stuff and then the Corman stuff is really good too. Like, oh, I love that. that. That's yeah. probably my favorite Corman movie. Oh yeah. And uh, then right there, along with it, is Fall, uh, Fall the House of Usher, which I think is really good. Of course, yeah. The, the whole era when they were doing uh, Edgar Allan Poe movies. Mask of the Red uh, Death is like probably my favorite. Yeah. Huh? Mask of the Red Death is probably my favorite one. Mask of the Red Death is great, but Pin yeah. the Pendulum is the one that, that that's, really... That that's really hands down. Me. Yeah, that's it's good shit. I love it. I loved it, and also because it had Barbara Steele in it. Yep. Oh, she's, she's and, great. Then if you go with Barbara Steele, then you got to go back to uh, uh, Bava with Black White, uh, white Zombie, uh, White Zombie, or is it Black Sunday? No, uh, Black Black, uh, uh, black, black Sunday. Yeah, yeah, that Black Sunday has got to be. When I saw, uh, uh, which I really liked too, uh, um, I really liked uh, um, Sleepy Hollow. Mm-hmm. The whole ambiance of that movie is Black Sunday. Yeah, basically. <laughs> he has to have been yeah. a gigantic fan of that stuff. Oh no yeah. question. You know, so I, I always love uh, guys like that um, mm-hmm. who uh, who can take their influences and just wear them right out in the open. Yeah, because you know t- Tim Burton. Then say what you will. You know, you know he had. I Vin- love Tim Burton. He had Vincent Price and all this stuff. His last film was you know that Edward Scissorhands movie, and he was you know Vincent Price was the inventor or whatever. Like he always held that. He stuff. loved Vincent Price. And a lot of his characters were named Vincent and like stuff like yeah. that. Like he was, and you know he's obsessed with that stuff. I can appreciate that to the end. Yeah. But I'm a Tim Burton fan. I don't care. You know, people oh, me too. like that stuff. Me too. I don't care. I love it. And I, I, like I love it. I think that almost all of his movies are really, really good. He made great Batman you know? movies. You know, he's done all kinds well, of Well, one of my stuff. favorites is uh, Alice in Wonderland. It is good. Yeah, I saw that. Oh, my God. I love that movie. Yeah, it was great. The more yeah. I watch it, the more I like it. I saw it in 3D when I saw it in theater. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was cool. But I've had people shit talk Sleepy Hollow. I'm like, okay, what about this don't you like? How do you not like Tim Burton, like a rated R Tim Burton movie? About, like, you know, the legend of Sleepy Hollow, and it has, like, Johnny Depp, and it's got the dude that plays the Emperor in Star Wars, and, like, Ian McDermott. It's got... It's just a great That's film. It's it's, it's bloody as shit. It, it's got even an opening tie to, like, you know, Nightmare Before Christmas, because they show the, the Scarecrow, and it's fucking Jack from Nightmare Before okay. Christmas. Like, that was cool as shit. And then... It's it's so good. Christopher Walken. It's got, it's got I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah. Christopher Walken. Like, come on. You know, it's Christopher a great. Christopher Walken is the uh, Hessian. The Hessian. Yeah, it's badass. Hessian, yeah, yeah. It's, That's amazing. And he's got like this oh collection God, of I'm, heads. I'm, people who like, don't like that movie, I'm just like, dude, once again, you're just an ignoramus. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's and such a good movie. You want to go? Okay, you don't like this movie. What is it that you like? <laughs> yeah, it's like this. He's got like a collection of heads, like in a fucking like little like floorboard you know like little cellar thing he's got like all these heads in there and he's got a tree with blood in it he puts bodies in there it's a crazy ass movie there's no bad side to this no the whole movie's good it looks amazing oh uh Casper Van Dien is is Grom Bones who's like one of my heroes growing up was Johnny Rico uh Casper Van Dien was is uh Grom Bones or whatever so and I love him because Starship Troopers is one of my favorite movies. So he's in it. Like the casting alone is, is great for it. Just just that. That's great. But totally it, great. It's the whole yeah, thing. You can't go wrong with that movie. I think it's really good. As a matter of fact, I own it. Yeah. On a number of, a number of different ways, including it's on my iPod or iPad. Never goes any. I never leave home without it. <laughs> you keep Sleepy Hollow on it's the one go. Of, one of one of probably nineteen or twenty movies that have my iPad at any given time. Oh yeah. That I, I'll go back and watch. Yeah, it's no matter what. It's know? awesome, and I watch that all the time of year. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't ever stop watching horror, but 
that's one of them I can watch all year round and not be like, hey, what you? No, I love it. Yeah. I can put that on and go to sleep. Ah, <laughs> uh, Sleepy Hollow. It's my happy love place. It. Love it. A lot of times I don't even make it through the opening credits. <laughs> you know, and that's a good thing. It lulls you. It's like oh, I can I can rest now. You know, I got my Sleepy Hollow. Uh, well, yeah, uh, exactly. We'll talk awesome. about the. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, we'll talk about the thing because I know you wanted to talk about. Oh my that. god! Yeah. Um, perfect time to talk about that. I was I was very uh, kind of tickled whenever you know Monica was like he wants to talk about the thing and I was like how fitting. <laughs> yeah. It's perfect for the time and I, something outside that's gonna kill you. Yeah, and you don't know who has it or who doesn't, and that's you're gonna it. have to start getting the you know the blood. You know the the blood out and the flamethrowers. They're know. all ca- they're all carriers. Um, cool thing about the thing, you know, it, it's got a such a cult following now. It's actually well appreciated. But when it came out, it 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 fucking tanked and everyone hated it. Like it was such a critically like shot down movie, and it went up against like you know E. T. had just came out right before then, so it had to go up against that. And then what I didn't know about this, the the same day. Blade Runner came out the same day The Thing did, and they both did poorly to E.T., which is really strange. But, uh, you know... I saw both of them in the theater then. Yeah, which Blade Runner... As well as Amazing. E.T. Yeah, Blade Runner is one of my favorites of all time, for sure. Um, Blade Runner's great. Yeah. I actually prefer... The only thing I don't like about Blade Runner is they didn't make it clear enough in the original version that he was a uh, uh, an android. A replicant, you know? yeah. Yeah. It wasn't clear enough. Where it is in the director's cut, it's totally clear. Yeah. Because the cop has the unicorn. Yeah. That's from his dream, which they cut out of the original one. Yeah, then it's like the unicorn cut. And whatever. The whole unicorn dream's not even in it. Yeah. You know? Which is, it's him, he's a replicant. That's the whole key to the story, you yeah. know? Yeah. He doesn't know he's a replicant. You know, but you don't get that from the original. You get this happy ending where... <laughs> yeah. Which is, I, I thought that was weird, you know? But, having said that, what I really loved about the original version, I liked the uh, uh, commentary, you know, the yeah. narration. Oh, sure. I thought the narration was a really good addition to that. It's not in the director's cut. Yeah, it added to the noir of it and all that, you know. Yeah. Which was oh, like, I thought it was great. I love that movie. Which initially, it's what it was. It's like more like a... It's like a retro noir, I guess is what some people call it, where it's like, you know, futuristic, but it's very gritty and you know it's a noir it's a noir movie it's like detective story yeah and it's, it's fucking yeah. awesome because it's sci-fi as shit and it's very escapism you know it's, it's I love it it's one of my favorite movies remember the new one's great too if you've never seen the new one's really good 2049 I saw that in theaters blew me away I was like this is just oh yeah that was really good pure escapism it's just perfect movie it's what sci-fi is supposed to do just sucked me in and I was just like this is awesome I don't think about anything else with this movie it's great yeah exactly yeah. What about I, the, saw, I saw that when it came out I saw the thing when it came out probably all around the same time you know like 82 yeah yeah around there I was in high school hell yeah and um big movie lover loved all that stuff yeah and uh, always have been so but the thing uh which we we know is a remake yep of the 1950s and you know what I, I am such a big fan I even hunted down the original book the novella <laughs> yeah That's what's awesome. out there yeah, who's out there yeah who's yeah. out there wow which is really good yeah 
it's not very long, but I, I would highly recommend getting it. You, you see a lot. It's, it's really cool. I haven't read it in a while, but I have it. And I'll, you know, because um, uh, I had to read it. What, what was the original story? <laughs> yeah. How did this work, you know? And so that was cool. Um, but uh, I I was hooked. Um, uh, I was hooked uh, the second I saw it, you know? Oh, yeah. I think what really nailed me on that one was that scene in the dog pen when the dog's head opens. Oh, it's insane. Huh? It's insane. I've never seen anything like it. And I had like a husky too, and you know, it freaked me out a little bit because I was like, I can't really look at him for a little while. Just thinking, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Another you know. head's going to bust out of me like, <clears throat> and they got that noise. Yeah, it sounds like. It's got that noise when the tentacles come out. Like, there's some scenes where it's around, it makes this weird noise like a. Like a cicada noise or some shit when it's like, yeah, it's yeah, it's weird. It sounds yeah, like totally the, cool. Yeah. Okay, so I saw something with Kurt Russell where he said that that movie was one of the his favorite movies he ever did. Oh yeah, and, they and t- you, I'm sure you've watched the thing with the director's commentary. Mm-hmm. There's one with him and Carpenter both. Yeah, t- talking. It's really really good. That's oh, awesome. Huh? That's awesome, and that's one of the few movies that he actually really likes because. He doesn't touch Who? Kurt Russell. He doesn't touch a lot yeah, of the oh, stuff yeah. that he actually did. Like he won't go back and be like, eh. But the thing is, one of those movies he actually, t- you know, talks about. He said that his, two of his favorites he ever did was the thing and this movie he did called Used Cars. Never seen that one. I would highly recommend it. That was made by the director who went on to do Forrest Gump. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, way early. Which to me, Forrest Gump was just a ripoff of. Uh, um, little big men. Yeah. Well, essentially, almost the same kind of thing. Where, you know. <laughs> yeah. He's involved in all these crazy things that happen. Mm-hmm. But I like Forrest Gump, so. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, it's classic. Yeah, I like it. But uh, but yeah, the thing. Um, essentially, when you break it down, it's a haunted house movie. Yeah. Kind of isolated. Not like and... the way Alien is a haunted house movie. Right. But Alien was kind of a ripoff of. Um, I thought of uh, um, the, the It, the Terror from Beyond Space, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, um, what's the other one? Oh, Planet of the Vampires. Yeah, I think it was really heavily influenced by those two movies. I wouldn't doubt it. Which nobody would uh, realize, but you know, um, Alien, uh, Ridley Scott once again. Yep. Uh, Alien, is, Ridley Scott's a lot smarter than people think. Oh, he's great visionary director. I mean, he's yeah, he's he's got it. He's always been good, you know. He's always talk. been good. Very few clunkers in his resume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, it's essentially yeah. The thing is essentially a haunted house movie. What's going on out there? You don't know what what anything is, where anything is, and who's really who, and you know that kind of stuff. No, but like drama wise, there's, there's really it's second to none for drama. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty. And the cast in it was, was fucking awesome. No women in the whole movie. Yeah, they actually had a woman casted as one of the, you know, the the crew, but she uh-huh. she ended up getting she was like pregnant, so they had to recast her apparently. So, oh man. Yeah, but you know to get I like Keith David is like that was actually his first credited role, and he's now as Childs like he nailed it, and he had he still has a career from that, you know. Um, oh, uh, amazing! Uh, what's his name? Child? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Keith David. He's amazing. You know, got he's, it. He was. He's the guy. He's, him and they're the only two left at the end, right? Yep. 
And he went on to do yeah. like They Live, which is another great, amazing Carpenter movie. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you know, he's, I think The Thing is his best movie. Yeah, I think so. What would be better than The Thing that Carpenter did? I guess it comes down to opinion. You know, a lot of people would say Halloween because of the impact it had on the slasher. It's not a better movie, though. Yeah, I mean, it, they're different. You know, I, I like that. Uh, I like that the thing is very quick. Like it doesn't. It, it starts off very fast. It doesn't have a build up. It, like starts off with a murder. Yeah, it starts out and they shoot one of the the Norwegian dudes, and then they're yeah, like they the take head. over the the outpost, and then. You know, yeah. before you know it, you see the dog in the pen scene, and then from there, it just yeah. never stops. Boom. Never stops. It's just like an onslaught no. of, like, crazy sci-fi and gore, and, like, you don't know who's what, and it's actually very intense, and, like, there's a lot of anxiety to it. And, uh, yeah, and uh, Kurt Russell plays the ultimate anti-hero, you know? Yeah, and I love his, like, you know, little uh, Holy Mountain hat that he has. It's fucking beautiful. Oh, that's uh, funny. Yeah. <laughs> flying hat. Yes. <laughs> and his yeah. character's great. He's like, oh, fuck you, too. You know, it's, it's yeah, awesome. Fuck you, too. Throws a, throws a dynamite. <laughs> and there's such good lines in it. Like, of course, the, the famous, most famous line, you know, it's like, you gotta be fucking kidding. And, um, you gotta be fucking <laughs> kidding. And that guy was a thing. Yeah, Palmer, you know. Which that, the guy who says that was actually one of them. Got, one of the things. That's probably my favorite scene. You know, I watched you know, the first time I ever saw the movie. Yeah, where he just starts, like, basically like, his face starts melting, and he's just like, in the chair, and that that scene is horrific. And then he just stands up and fucking eats that dude. Like, his whole, his whole oh, head, awesome. his whole head splits oh, open oh, in, oh, like, a mouth. When that, when that, especially right at the beginning of that, when that chest opens up. Yeah, yeah. And he's got those two paddles. Oh, the, oh, the, defib- the defibrillator, right yeah. <laughs> what I really loved was the monster itself, how it had a piece of everything it has ever replicated. Yeah. Yeah, like there you, was, know? you know, even in that part where he eats the dogs, like you start seeing the dogs, but then there's like a human eyeball that like opens up and you're like, ooh, yeah. you know, like it's been doing this. the same thing, you know. But probably my... piece of it. Although I think... My favorite scene, I had to pick out my favorite scene. It wouldn't even be a gore scene. It's a scene where the dog is walking down that hallway. Oh, he's just, he can, he's kind of like just staring. You're like, what the fuck is he staring at? He looks into one room and he looks and he walks down and goes to the next room and you see yeah. the shadow of somebody. You're not sure who it is. Yeah. You know, so he turns around and looks at the dog. And when the dog obviously gets the guy. Yeah. Um, but that dog, that, that, that right there, that, that is such a key element scene in that movie, you know? Yeah, I know John, for that scene, he actually didn't have anybody that was casted in the movie, you know, do that shadow part. Like, he actually had somebody random, I guess, just so... Yeah, that way it's... Because I've looked at it hundreds hundreds of times and nobody. It's none of the cast members. Yeah, he did that so that people wouldn't know or have, you know... They wouldn't know. Yeah, that's very smart. That's brilliant. Yeah, and the actual direction of that scene is perfect, too, the way it builds suspense and... You know, I think. Oh my God, that dog! That's perfect. And that dog's great. And even John Carpenter was like, "That dog is amazing." Like, just the dog is amazing. The coolest that dog. That scene is it's phenomenal. And the other thing in that movie is the soundtrack is unbelievable. Oh, it's Anita Americon. You know, yeah, absolutely amazing. And the funny thing was, you know, that movie was you know tanked so bad that you know everybody was just having a field day with it, and it it, it was nominated for a Razzie for the like worst score or whatever. 
That's crazy. Yeah, it's stupid, but the the you know there wasn't much to it, but I mean there wasn't you know for what he did for it, it's I think it's incredible because it was the first thing John Carpenter did that he didn't score himself, you know. But I think I he think had, it's amazing. Yeah, that. and uh, the crazy the thing was, oh, I love it. It's like Jaws. Yeah, it's it's very simple. Totally cool. which to me without the music, Jaws doesn't work. You know? No, it's totally the the music itself. Um, oh, the music it's like, itself, it's classic. It's like a character. It's, classic. it's like a character in some. I have that soundtrack separate from the movie. Yeah. I've listened to that hundreds of times. The man, you, know? you think John Williams from there, it's like, he's, he's just incredible with what he ended up doing. You know, after that, like, probably some of the most iconic shit in the world, you know, Jurassic Park and... Uh, Indiana oh, yeah, Jones yeah, yeah. and Star yeah. Wars, of course, and well, you know, all that. I mean, stuff. and the uh, thing soundtrack I have separate. You know, it's awesome. But the the crazy thing about him winning that, you know, nominating for that Razzie, he used uh, a bit of the stuff that was left over from doing that uh, soundtrack, and he brought it over to the Hateful Eight, that Tarantino movie, and he won an Oscar. Oh, yeah. He won an Oscar for it. Some of that was from yeah, yeah. the there thing. Yeah. So I mean, eventually. <laughs> Yeah, who would have thought, you know, as big as that film is now, I don't know a single person that's like, that movie's, you know, terrible. And if they do, it's fine, but, you know, at the time, with what it was when it came out, a lot of people focused a lot more on the gore itself, not what it took to make it, because, like, Rob Boutine was, like, 22 years old when he started on that Oh, he's amazing. 22. You know, he's, like, a prodigy for that. And he had, like, over 40 people working for him, but he actually got such, like, crazy exhaustion from it, and, and just was overwhelmed by what he had to do, you know, he had to get more help, um, from all that. Yeah. I think it was, uh, Stan Winston that ended up helping him out with all that, and he's amazing, too. Yeah. You know, one of the top people in the business, so, you know, the movie. Yeah, you know, uh, the guitar player from, I'm really good friends with the guitar player in Tool, he used to work for Stan Winston before he was in Tool. Really? He was a, he was a special effects guy. For Adam Jones? That's crazy. Yep. Wow. <laughs> Yep, he, so, I mean, him, we're really good friends, so we've had long, long conversations about all that stuff, you know? He worked on the Terminator movies. Oh, yeah. Adam did, Adam, you know, like that scene in the second Terminator movie where the guy's, the, um, the, uh, uh, liquid cop is running, he's got all those silver bullet holes in him. Yeah, Robert Patrick. Adam sculpted all those. Wow, no shit. Yeah, so he worked on all that, he worked on all those, all that stuff up until Tool started. So he had a successful career in the movie industry before he ever, that would have been big and he continued with that before Tool ever even started. I had no idea. That's insane. Nobody does because he doesn't really talk about it much, you know? It's crazy because that's how I got... Me and the thing, we (laughs) went, oh oh, man, that's that's one of, you know, we talked about that incessantly. Both of us are huge movie fans, so he loves the Hammer stuff, he loves all the same stuff we do, you know? It's amazing. That's that's how I got in touch with you, I was actually, you know, when I... Talk to Monica or whatever. I was trying to get um, Adam, but you know they're usually not available do- during this tour or whatever. But that's really cool to know. You know, I actually did see them a couple months ago, and they were incredible. You know, first time I actually see yeah. them. So and he's that's, a really good guy. That's awesome, man. Um, a lot. I mean, and like I said, me and him, we we go to the movies a lot when we when we're not under house arrest. Yeah. <laughs> we watch movies. Uh, we we. You know, go back and forth with with, with uh, especially horror movies. You love all that stuff. Hell yeah! We like all kinds of stuff. So, but yeah, yeah. One time before, uh, uh, oh, it was years and years ago, 
um, since he had worked there, we got to go over and do a big tour of Stan's uh, studio. Oh, that's incredible. With Adam, you know. Yeah. That was awesome. But that's All a those trip. guys were there. And uh, talking about working with Schwarzenegger and, you know, yeah. looking at all the stuff they're working on then. And wow. That was amazing. It's insane. That was cool. But what he said, he said a couple things about the gore stuff that I thought was pretty significant, which is the camera is very forgiving. Mm-hmm. So the gore stuff, if, if you take it on its face value and look at it, it looks like shit. Yeah. But when they light it the right way and use the right way, the yeah. right kind of camera, they can make it work. <laughs> it's, all, it's all movie magic, you know. It's all movie magic. Because they use They're crazy not, they, stuff. It was like they would not be good at plastic surgery. <laughs> yeah, they use you a know? lot of crazy stuff to, to get those effects, a lot of like, you know, latex stuff and just basic stuff, you know, to get the gore effects to work, but it takes a or lot. Or if he's like, if that, if like certain scenes in that movie, the thing, he goes, if that was under good lighting, it would look like crap. Yeah. <laughs> not lit well for a reason you yeah. know because it looks like shit <laughs> all, I mean, you, know, you know what I mean but it, doesn't, yeah. it looks good enough yeah they're, they're, they're you know they don't, it doesn't need to be perfect under under a you know it just needs to work yeah and that's it and he said that that was one of the things these kids come in from you know college or whatever they don't understand how the movie industry works it's just, it, like it's not so much what you can do it's what you can do under pressure <laughs> Yeah, and they had a lot like of it. If you have you know. 10 minutes to get this thing done right now, what can you do? Okay, okay, okay. It doesn't have to be perfect, it just has to be good enough. No, that's where the real so skill comes in. A lot of these in. sculptors and people in there, it's like, I need three weeks to do this. You got three weeks, you don't even have three hours. Yeah. It, Let's go. We Time is money, we cannot wait for you one more minute. Yeah. Let's get the, you know, you, what do you mean you can't get this fucking thing done? You're fired. <laughs> get the fuck out of here. I don't care how good a sculptor you are, you are no good plus. You got the you fucking know. boot. But the, you know, it, the skill really comes from being under pressure, and I think that's yeah. fine for any anybody and anybody of work. You know, if you can work under pressure yeah. and produce something great, then that's that's great. what Adam said. He goes, the reason he was able to work is because he could work fast and it was good enough. Yeah, yeah, good enough. Sometimes it's the best. Yeah, it didn't matter what you were, you know. Oh, you can, you know, do an exact <laughs> replica of this, but you take you six months to do it. Well, nobody cares. <laughs> and most people not aren't going to see not, that. that doesn't make, make any difference. You have to get it. You have to get it done. I was with him. We toured with Tool down in. Um, uh, uh, New Zealand yeah. years and years ago and because of that association with Tool we got to go and go to uh, uh, what's it Peter uh, um, Jackson's film studio down wow, there wow no shit and so when you look at all of that stuff all the Lord of the Rings stuff up close it looks like crap yeah it's just kind of you know like a Halloween That's how they store film it. Halloween store and it's like oh okay you just look at it <laughs> going that just looks like toothpicks held together with scotch tape and string you know <laughs> Yeah. In real life, it looked like crap. Looked fine. It looked absolutely <laughs> perfect in the movie. Yeah. And that's the genius of the director. Yeah. Same as a record producer. Mm-hmm. They know when it's done. Yeah. You know they they know what will work and what won't work. You know. Exactly. So that that's the beauty of all that stuff. Which is, when you're looking at it, going, okay, you know, these guys are smart enough to know they didn't have to go further than this to make it work. Yeah. Perfect. It looks perfect. Even though it isn't perfect. Yeah, because these guys are—they're—they're—they're they're, they're like Willy Wonka, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically. The magic maker, <laughs> you know, the dreamers of the dreams, and uh, you know, can you imagine all that stuff that a guy like Tim Burton knows? Knows when it's done. Knows when it's good. You know, Ridley Scott knows when it's good. 
Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. John Carpenter knew when it was good. You know, so uh, you got to love it. You just got to, I, I appreciate all that stuff. I don't get too caught up in the background. Like my wife is a graphic designer, right? Oh, good. Awesome. That's cool. She, she does that kind of stuff and she goes, I don't give, and I, like, I'm an amateur photographer myself. Yeah. And she goes, I don't give a shit how a picture is taken if it's good. Yeah, right. It's like, I don't care how they did this stuff in the movies as long as it's good. Exactly. You know, and back then they had it a lot tougher. There was no CGI. And the thing that, that's, they had to film it as it was happening. You know what I mean? Yeah, they had to improvise and they had to really they break to ground. They had to break ground to make stuff look the best they could make it, you know. Hand puppets and all kinds of crazy shit that they make it work. That doesn't mean it was better. It no. just means that those guys were really had to they really had to go a long ways with it. And they were ahead of their time because they were kind of inventing things as they go. Like nobody taught these people how to do shit. They were just doing it. And no, they were forging ahead on their own, you know. Yeah. Of course they you know, they had things that they liked, you know, but Whatever they may be, I mean, it's the same when you watch Star Wars. It's obvious that they were super into two thousand one. Yeah. What was he into? You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. You go backwards and see how all that stuff works, and we'll see what big fans there are of all kinds of things you wouldn't guess. Cheesy sci-fi movie. What is two thousand one? It's a takeoff of a cheesy sci-fi movie from the fifties. Yeah, it's like that. And Flash Gordon, you know, he loved the the whole serial idea and just the right rock up, you, you know, know, space opera shit and. At the yeah. time, the, the crazy thing about that, and you know, everybody loves Star Wars now. I mean, they didn't used to when I when I used to like it. People made fun of me for it, but but nowadays it's like this huge thing. And uh, but back then, when it, when it, when they were making it, they were like destined to fail at doing that, but they didn't. You know, it was they what they were destined to basically fail when they made that movie because it came out like, you know, war movies were the big thing then because it was you know Vietnam times like Vietnam was like pretty much over when they were making it, but, like, they had... You know, George Lucas did it completely independently. Like, he put all his own money into making it. And they were pretty close to failing at it. And they just kept on yeah. going anyway. And everybody in the studios were like, this is never gonna work, this is stupid. And they are like, fuck it, we're doing it anyway. And then it became, like, an overnight sensation first Hollywood blockbuster film and, like, uh, just a cultural phenomenon. And it hasn't stopped. And it's really strange, but... That's the way they did it. You know, they, they improvised and they worked under pressure. They had, you know, they defied odds just by being innovative and really just going off of uh, instinct, I think, you know, with what they had to do. Well, a lot of it, I mean, you know, if you really compare it, I mean, in a lot of ways you could say Star Wars is a John Ford Western. Yeah, very Western. You know, it's a Western in space, essentially. Yeah. And so you know they have to be fans of all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. When you take it from there, I mean, it's it's uh, you know, gun holsters, guns, all all you know. It's, it's, it's to me, I'm a sucker for westerns anyway. Yeah, westerns are shit. Much different than that to me. I'm all for it. Yeah. How much different is that than the Wild Bunch? You know, not <laughs> a tremendous amount. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's good shit. Ragtag crew of people and right. Caught, you know, just trying to yeah, s- nothing's working, and you know, it just it just it's. People like it because it's familiar, and he's done something new with a story that everyone still kind of understands whether they know it or not. Yeah, you know, it's an improbable person that takes, you know, doesn't know his real parents are. He takes up the mantle because he doesn't want to be a farmer anymore. He wants to explore the galaxy, gets tangled up in this 
this mystic guy that has plans to rescue this princess, and then right. it's just cool. Right. And, you know, it's a good little story, and uh, it still well, holds up. Joseph Campbell mixed it, you know? Yeah, yeah, sure. And then uh, the thing I, I appreciate about George Lucas <clears throat> was as much money as that movie made, whenever they did Empire and all the offers he got... He took out loans and funded the next film himself, because an empire, yeah, yeah. because he wanted to have full control over it. He didn't want the studios yeah, yeah. paying for it and telling him what to do with it. I appreciate that the artistic. He still never won an Oscar. Yeah, never. No, well, and, and he should have won an Oscar for American Graffiti. That movie's awesome. I have that on VHS actually. That's, Absolutely, love it. You know, yeah. He should have won. Why didn't he win? He's he's got the sucker treatment his entire career. Because the assholes that run that kind of shit don't take a guy like him seriously, who is literally one of the greatest filmmakers of the 20th century. And the craziest thing was his best friends that he went to college with were like Spielberg and Polanski. Like, he knew those people personally. Like, they were like one of the first people that saw the original cut of Star Wars, like that went to and, his uh, uh, screening. And what's his name? Uh, made Apocalypse Now. Um, I'm, uh, I'm blanking. Um, De Palma. Huh? De Palma. No, Apocalypse Now. Um, um, Godfather. Um, uh, uh, Coppola. Coppola. Yeah, Francis. They all went to school together. Yeah, all of them did. Yeah, he, he was. was gonna, uh, originally, he was going to help him make Apocalypse Now. And they were going to do something with uh, Star Wars too. Like when they went and saw it, they're like, "Wow, this is this is crazy." And he had all that backing with like all those Oscar-winning people, and just never was a part of the pack, I guess because sci- sci-fi doesn't win those things. You know, all these guys yep. made adventure and war movies, and yep. um, they made, they know, those people knew what it took to make Oscar-winning films. George Lucas never wanted to do that. He's too much of a, of a nerd. You know, he, he, he likes... He should have won. He should have, for sure. I mean, he, he know, put way too much stupid. into it. Yeah. And the, people, they don't take a guy like him seriously because they don't take anything seriously. I lost total faith in the Oscars when I was a kid yeah I was in high school uh, just into high school when Raging Bull lost the <laughs> best picture in 1980 lost the best picture to the movie Ordinary People yeah makes no sense and Raging Bull to me was the one of the greatest movies certainly in, of that era and it it was not considered best picture and I was like you know you just you know it's like fuck you guys it's like this year I don't know if you saw 1917. No, I had no interest in seeing it. Oh my god, it's so good. Is it good? 1917 is totally great. Huh. It's totally great. I would do yourself a favor and see that movie. I, I, it's unbelievably amazing. I went to it three times. Yeah? Okay. Oh yeah. Now who did, who did, uh... Who did 1917? It, it kicked, uh, uh... Uh, what's the one that won Parasite? It kicked his ass. Yeah, I've never even heard of the Parasite thing, and a lot of people it's actually. It's not good. It's yeah, not good. I've heard you know? mixed things about it. I think people are kind of torn because it won. They're like, no, no, it's cool, and you know, I don't. It's not good. I, I've never done the foreign film thing too much. Like, there's a lot of foreign films I like, but uh, as far as that, like the stuff that you know, even just from seeing the trailer of 1917, I was like, that's gonna win. There's no way it's not. And then Parasite, I was like, what? That's weird. It's stupid. It's nineteen seventeen is amazing. And who, who, it's unbelievable. You're gonna see it. And you, it's gonna blow your mind. Who did? Um, I, mean, I couldn't believe it. The guys that are everybody. It's just, it's phenomenal. It's totally phenomenal. I thought that would win for sure, and I I was really shocked that it didn't. I can't believe you didn't see it. 
Oh, that's one of the few. I, I, I thought it was. It was Sam Mendes that did that movie. I thought that's who. That what was, was that? Sam Mendes did it. That's who I thought it was. That directed yeah, he, that. He make a Revolutionary Road too, which I thought was amazing too. I think he's the one that directed uh, Skyfall with the James Bond movie. Yeah, I think so. And he did. Um, was it a, it's a British guy? Um, Revolutionary Road was um, a really underappreciated movie too. You know. Oh, that's he, one he of the did a. Uh, movies I've ever seen. He did American Beauty. I fucking love American Beauty. Yeah, I, I like the Revolutionary Road better, and I like 1917 way better. And Jar Jarhead, he did, I think. Yeah, Jarhead uh, is good. Yeah. yeah, Revolutionary Road. I don't think I've seen that one. I would highly, highly, if you want to watch a totally feel bad, insane movie, that's the movie. Now that one that has uh, DiCaprio in it, doesn't it? That has uh, um, Leonardo. Okay. Yeah. So I've, I've heard of it. Yeah. Kate Winslet, who I think was the time was married to Mendes. So it was after Titanic. Yes. So this, okay. But you gotta see it. It's just—it's brutal. It's fucking brutal. It, it, I have told this to people, and they just don't, don't believe because <laughs> they misrepresented it in the poster for the movie. Right. Because it looks like it's going to be some love story. Uh, nothing could be further from the truth. Yeah. They really blew it with that. Yeah. Because you know? it's—it's you just have to when you see it, you're you're gonna be blown away. I'm definitely going to watch it. I'll take your word for it. Oh, my God. Where it ends. That's another one where I had to go and find the original book that that was from. Because I had to read what this guy was. Because I was so into that movie. I had to read where that came from. You know? Yeah, I'll check it out for sure. It's really good. Do yourself a favor. 1917, Revolutionary Road, two of the most amazing films I saw, I've seen in a long time. You know? Hell yeah. I would highly recommend it. But I'm, you know, I'm all over the map when it comes to movies. The thing is, just one. Well, I am too, like huge horror fan, but I, I like pretty much everything too. I mean, this is what I do for the podcast. It's like the main thing we, you know, that I watch. Yeah, but, of course. You know, I, I love, I love everything. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, one of my, we'll I like uh, my favorite director is probably. Um, uh, I can't even think. Uh, Paul Verhoeven's probably my favorite. You know, did RoboCop and. Uh, Starship Troopers and Total Recall, you know, I, I fucking love. Oh, that. I really like Star. I thought Starship Troopers and RoboCop are great. Yeah, uh, Basic Instinct, you know, he's done a lot. Basically, it stinks. Yeah, no, <laughs> basically, that was that's what Mad Magazine wrote. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's basically it stinks. Strange movie, you know, but uh, great, yeah, yeah. great director wise, it's awesome. Um, so he's probably my favorite, you know. Starship Troopers is amazing. My, my favorite director is John Huston. Yeah. Oh yeah, by far, you know. Treasure Sierra Madre, White Blood, Men Who Became Misfits, Nazi Iguana. You know, I would highly recommend all those movies and a lot more of his. You know? It's amazing. Treasure Sierra Madre is my favorite movie ever. Yeah, okay. You know? That's the best. I think it's the greatest movie ever made. You know, guys like uh, uh, Kubrick thought it was an unbelievable movie, too. You know? That says a lot. I would highly recommend it. And then right following that up is... Uh, um, Lords of Arabia mm-hmm. David Lean I've seen Lords of Arabia that one is, is uh, that one is every single scene in that movie of nearly four hours looks like a postcard yeah filmed in the early 60s yeah you know, 360 some days of pressable photography on that you know? insane in the Middle East mostly you know and talking about uh, Kubrick you know the I saw The Shining a couple times in theaters. Oh my god! And and it changes your perspective on the whole film when you see it in theaters. Like that's it's oh, yeah. all, it's a movie you need to watch in theaters. Like anytime, 
they show you know because I'm younger, but getting a chance to see it in theaters is incredible. And so like any time they show it, I go and I watch it because you you see it more from the director's standpoint than you do anything else. Yeah. If you just watch it at home, it's kind of like yeah, this is fucking insane. I love this movie. But when you see it in theaters and you have the score and you have the direction, you're just like this movie is a masterpiece of direction. It's know? always better in the theater. Yeah, entirely. You just see it from a different different perspective yeah. for sure. You see it from the director's eyes almost. Like with that movie. Yeah. I can see exactly what he was trying to do with it and, like, how the psychosis works with his shots and, like, it's just... It's it's awesome, you know? It, it gives you a whole new appreciation for watching movies the way that that works, you know? Well, it, it's... it's, it's, it's uh, that might be his best movie. I think so. You know, I love Clockwork you know, Orange. And, but I'm a big, you know, big, big fan of 2001. Too, and 2001's you know? amazing. You know, and Full Metal Jacket's like, great. last third of that movie is an acid trip. Unbelief. Yeah, and Eyes Wide yeah. Shut's amazing. You know, Eyes Wide Shut is insane. <laughs> that, good. They had a 50th anniversary of that. Because here in LA, they do that kind of stuff all the time. I see Lawrence of Arabia once or twice a year in a theater here. You know? Hell yeah. And um, they show, they will show, you know, uh, uh, classic movies in, in unbelievable theaters here. Mm-hmm. Not our house theaters, like unbelievably great theaters from the 30s, you know? Oh yeah. Um, there's one called the Egyptian mm-hmm. that was built by the same guy who built the Chinese theater here. I love and the all Chinese they show theater. is um, classics. That's it. It's amazing. They have a two months. They'll show two months ahead what they're going to show, and you'll go to Lawrence of Arabia there. It'll be packed. That's awesome too. You know. L.A. I've I seen Lawrence of Arabia in the theater probably thirty or forty times. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> you know, probably uh, when I, they did the fiftieth anniversary of. 2001, right? Oh, I... And they showed that at this place here. My favorite theater here is this place called the Arclight. Mm-hmm. And it's unbelievable because it's right... It's part of its complex is the Cinerama Dome. But in there, in one of the new theaters, which is all stadium seating, unbelievable sound systems, all of it, really great. Yeah. They did the 50th anniversary of 2001 where they made a brand new print of everything. It was as good as they could restore it. They showed that there for a month. That's awesome. I saw it six times. <laughs> Amazing. To the point where the last three times I went all by myself because nobody yeah. would go. <laughs> I've done that. You know, they they re-released. Uh, you know, you know the original. I thought, yeah, I was just like, I can't miss this. Yeah. No, it's you know? amazing. I mean, I love going to theater. If it's by myself, I'll sit in a theater and watch it. It's amazing. Yeah. I've done it many, many times. It's a good thing. Many, many times. The other one I try to tell people is uh, uh, to go see is uh, uh, what's the one about Jesus with uh, Mel Gibson? Oh, Passion of the Christ. I saw that in theaters. I love that movie. It's crazy. I thought that was the greatest art film I'd ever seen, you know? Yeah, it's, it's intense, you Unbelievable. know? Unbelievable. I found it in the Cinerama Dome, front row, <laughs> uh, 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 by myself. Yeah. I went with my... Amazing. I went with my amazing. brother, who's not religious, and my, you know, my cousin, who's super religious. And, uh, you know, my brother was the one crying the most, which I was like, I've never really seen you cry in a movie in my life, because he's not... He's he's a good he's a decent movie person but like I'm probably the strongest of the family with the with the movies and he's uh, yeah. you know to see him emotionally that emotionally like uh, taken by a film was just insane you know I think Mel Gibson is a genius yeah you know I, I never that saw Apocalypto I never, Apocalypto was amazing I never saw Apocalypto oh my god what are you yeah. doing you gotta see that. <laughs> go fucking watch it now. <laughs> you gotta see it. It's so good. I have a list just Apocalypse from this interview. Really good. Yeah. You know. Oh man, you're gonna love it. 
it's just it'll blow your it'll blow your head up. And it's an action adventure. Yeah. In uh, you know, the, um, uh, in the uh, um, Aztec Mayan type. Yeah, Aztec. Human yeah. sacrifice, all of it. Yeah. With unbelievable casting and acting in that movie, you know, it's just second to none. It is really, 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 really good. You know, um, I would highly recommend it. There's a there's People a good. Don't believe that either. And Mel Gibson, oh yeah, whatever. No, just there's from a movie he did called Payback. That's a great movie. I love that movie. Right? Yeah. He's, he's and, and not to mention Road Warrior. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, I'm, I, I love Mel Gibson. You know, it's like, I'm a Jew, oh, yeah. I'm a Jew and I love Mel Gibson. Like, he's, huh? he's the, I said, I'm a Jew and I love Mel Gibson. He's the shit. He's, uh, I love, oh, yeah, uh, Mad Max. It doesn't make any difference to me. No, it doesn't. Uh, I can't discount, I mean, look, stuff like racism, and there's worse things in the world than being a racist. That's very true. Huh? So that's very true. Yeah, so, I mean, that's really your problem. It's not my problem. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, uh, <coughs> if you want to do that, if one of my best friends was told me that they were full-on racist, I wouldn't quit being friends with them. I might think differently of them, but I'm not going to quit being friends with them. That's their fucking problem, not mine. You know? Right, you know, I've had people, they've showed a lot of compassion. They're good people, and I've even seen them be good people to people that weren't, you know, to good people they liked, but they're still good people. They just have a, sh- a shitty opinion. What's about it? Yeah, that's the, and then that stuff can change. You know? you know, and I was, you know, when I was growing up, one of my best friends, believe it or not, was like a like a neo Nazi kid. They didn't give a shit that I was Jewish or not. We were good friends. Oh, there's all kinds of weird theories out there. You know? Yeah, they never questioned it. They were like, we were like best friends. His dad was a like that, and now they're not like that. He's married to a black woman now. It's like people change. Shit happens. You know. Some people are just weird, have weird ideologies. But uh, well, I mean, racism is in your head. Yeah. If you keep it in your head, or if you just talk about it, it doesn't hurt anybody. Yeah. It's discrimination that's the problem. That's true. You know, you can't hurt anybody by believing something. You have to do something to hurt somebody. I fully agree if, with that. If you take it out into the world and start discriminating against people by strictly on the color of their skin, that's the problem. Yeah. If you just think that, you haven't heard anyone. Yeah. You, simply your wrong opinion. That's all it is. And I'm not threatened by opinions. No. It, I'm threatened by action. I agree with <laughs> that. Yeah. <laughs> I said, yeah, those are the only people that actually motivated people that are causing problems. You know, the ones that just yeah, kind of have it. If you keep it to yourself and just keep it in your head and maybe just talk about it, I couldn't give a shit what you think. Yeah. I wish, know, I wish more people would do that. Going out marching on the world and doing this shit—that's when it becomes a problem for me. You know, yeah, I that's agree. a different kind of thing. Because you know, yeah. people have all kinds of weird ideas, and they'll spout off all kinds of shit that they might act like they believe, but they're never going to do it. Yep. Then it's just bullshit. <laughs> Who cares? And they're just full you know? of shit. <laughs> Who cares? I mean, you know, getting back to the movie thing—it's like along those lines. Movies are bullshit too. Yeah. But they're fun. They're stories. That's it. And they're almost like the ultimate art form, almost, because they have a story, they have visuals, they have music, all of it. But it's all bullshit. <laughs> everybody knows that. It's all smoke and mirrors. I always think it's funny with TV violence or video game violence. It's like, none of this shit makes any difference. It can't make you do anything. There's all credits at the end of it. It's just a uh-huh. movie. So there's all credits at the end of it. It's just a movie. Or a TV show. It's a movie. Yeah. 
Well, my kids, my, look, if, you, if you're if you such a stupid parent that you can't explain to your kids what real is and what isn't, that's your fucking fault. But also, movies you know? and, and TVs and video games even, those are ways to kind of escape from the real world, so people aren't getting into that to get inspired to do those things. Like people Maybe, are, but you know, they're, they're, they're trying to get away from Long before TV and video games. Oh, yeah. Before we you even know, had so shit I can't blame it on any of that. I mean, if anything, we were, it's, you know, like you said, it's keeping them at home. <laughs> yeah. They're not motivated by, you know, by playing, you know, Grand Theft Auto. Like, they're just playing a fucking video game. They're actually, it's one less day you have to worry about them actually doing something. Because if they're crazy. Grand Theft they're, Auto? Yeah. Me and you understand, is it real? <laughs> yeah. No, I don't have that. I'm not going to go fucking tear someone out of their car and beat them with a baseball bat. It's like, but I'll do it on a video game all day because it's fun. I can't say that. I, I'm, I'm probably, probably, probably not going to ever do that. Yeah. But, you know, no. one never knows. But I think if it happens, I'm not going to be inspired by a video game to do it. No, because you got to be pretty. <laughs> I'll be inspired by good old fashioned road rage. <laughs> you got to be pretty crazy to just do it and like, just be like, fuck this. What was that? So you gotta be pretty pretty crazy to just go and be like fuck this and you just do it like you know. They're probably gonna do something. It's probably gonna do something regardless of whether it happens then or not. They're, they're probably in line to do something crazy. I yeah. think people are that impulsive to be like, all right, this video game is making me want to go do this, so they go out and do it. It's like that doesn't. Yeah, that's not how that is. Violence is making me want to commit real violence. <laughs> it's because the people that <clears throat> don't understand things put it on that because they don't understand. They don't play the video games. Like back in my day, we had you know pong. It's like well. Sit down and play good this. You'll have a good time. Yeah, you'll have a good time. Sit here and run people over with an ambulance. It's fun. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, son of Sam, he killed people with a forty-four Magnum, and he said he got his took his orders from the, from the neighbor's dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like you, you, know, know, you might want to start asking the these dogs some questions. Son of Sam, he's the son of Sam. That's it. Yeah, that's what he said. I took my orders from the neighbor's dog. <laughs> then outlaw dogs. Yeah, you need to start asking these dogs some questions. They might know something. That's right, you know. Yeah. I'll tell you, though, if my two dogs start talking to me, I might start listening. <laughs> you're like, holy shit. I might have to. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, uh, you like Ridley Scott. Do you, uh, have you seen Black Rain? Uh, I probably have, yeah. It's a Michael Douglas okay, movie. Remember. That was a while ago, right? Yeah, it's like 80s. Like, it might be 90s. It's Michael Douglas. I don't, I don't think I did see it. It's Michael Douglas. He's like a detective guy. No, I did not see it. And he's got like it's it's badass. It's that's my favorite Ridley Scott movie besides Black Wow. Bear. Yeah, it's it's just it's just a cool ass movie. Like I don't know how this is. I don't know why it hits me so hard. The soundtrack is absolutely amazing. It's, it's in my opinion, it's Michael Douglas's best movie too. He's just a badass in it. It's a, it's a typical like cop story where like you know his partner dies and he's like trying to he's like fight he's basically trying to uncover like the Yakuza underground that's going on. Oh, you know, I did see that. Yeah, and he's on, like, a motorcycle. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. That movie's awesome. Like, I, that's probably my favorite Ridley Scott movie. It's just good. Uh, that's great. I don't know why. You, some movies hit you like that, and I'm just obsessed with it. Like, Black Rain's my, my shit. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that and, like, Con Air are kind of in the same range for me. Con Air, yeah. Per- the perfect action movie. It's just cheesy one-liners. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Those are the movies. Great cast. That matter, like with Marvel movies, you, you yeah. go, you take your brain out, you set it in the seat next to you, and you just enjoy the movie. Yeah, it's just good. It's entertaining. Yeah. You know, I'm not looking for them to reinvent the wheel. You know. No, it's just a good time. It's visually. I'm going to see an action cop movie. Hopefully, there'll be a bunch of killing. <laughs> yeah. 
It's just visually well, me and my wife were really funny. We'll look at reviews of movies. Yeah. And um, there was one, this movie called Naked, mm-hmm. a long time ago in the 90s. Yeah. And the review was like this, they wrote this horrible review where this person just hated it. And they go, it opens with this horrible rape scene. Mm-hmm. And we're like, we should go see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The bad review actually made us want to see it. That's a good thing about negative press, you know. Sometimes you're like, ooh, I gotta see this now, you know. Like, uh, well, then we saw it. And we're like, no, no, that guy's wrong. This is a great movie. You know? <laughs> loved it. Absolutely loved the movie. It was, they were couldn't have been more wrong. Yeah. They were just bummed out by the violence. and completely missed the point of it, you know. Um, and I think that that's always a shame. Yeah. No, it is, and people just immediately write off violence when it could be a really good film, you know. Um, oh, I love violence. violence the violence in movies is sometimes totally necessary. I don't think that there's any any reason for anyone to ever have to apologize for it. You know? No, not at all. And okay. I think it's something people need to I see. I do love when Quentin Tarantino gets so pissed off at people who keep asking him about movie violence. He keeps saying, it's not real. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you Nobody get, got killed in my movies. <laughs> he gets you a barf bag and you tell yourself it's only a movie and you'll be fine. You know? Yeah, it's fake violence. <laughs> No, uh, acting. <laughs> of course, you did the the right. yeah yeah the the you know Twin Peaks and stuff like that. Um, David Lynch, love him too. Amazing. David Lynch. Oh yeah. Oh, I love David Lynch. Like Blue, oh my God. Blue Twin, Velvet's the another Twin one. Peaks yeah. series, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, Blue Velvet's one of my favorite movies too. Blue Velvet is one of my all-time favorite movies. I always I would call myself when I when I when I used to be a drinker. Uh-huh. I, I called myself a, a more a, a meaner version of Frank Booth. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> a mean version of Frank Booth. That's a good way to describe me when I was, when I was like, drinking. Paps, blue ribbon. It's fucking awesome. Fuck that shit. Fuck that shit. Heineken, fuck <laughs> that shit. Paps, Paps blue, blue ribbon. ribbon. It took me a long time to realize <laughs> that the blue ribbon is the blue vel- you know blue velvet. Mm-hmm. That's why he likes Pabst Blue Ribbon, you know? Yeah, that's how crazy... Because of the Blue Velvet. David Lynch is, just how... Deep that? he, that's how crazy David Lynch is, how deep he weaves shit into his films, you know? Oh, yeah. And he's um, a great I musician, too. too. Oh, yeah? Yeah, that's amazing. Oh, yeah. Because wait to see that one, you know? Yeah. Um, but he, I think he's a master of complicating really simple stories, you know? I agree with that. Yeah, and he's a great yeah. musician too, you know. And he's just, amazing. He's he's one of the heroes. Yeah, visionary. He's just he's just unbelievable. He's just I I say yes. Yeah. To anything he does. Yeah. Yes, that sounds great, Dave. You do what you need to do. <laughs> you have already brought me so much joy. Yeah. That I can't I can't say anything about anything you do. You know, <laughs> all I can say is. I, I just think you should be allowed to do whatever you want. Yeah. Oh, he does too. I mean, it's like everything. I love but, it. Yeah. Yeah, he's getting old. Um, we'll see what happens. But man, he's uh, he's one of the best. Yeah, I agree. Like, I I just you know if he talks, I listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, anything else, man? Um, I guess real quick. Yeah. You know, we'll go over Gift of Sacrifice. You talk a little bit about that real quick since that is sure. supposed to come out May 15th. It's going to come out May 15th. Good. It better come out May 15th. Uh, the only thing that <laughs> might not happen is my tour. Right. <laughs> so, I am not canceling it yet. I probably won't think about canceling it until mid-April, probably. Yeah. 
and then if everything goes south, I'll probably cancel it by degrees. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll start with like, okay, they say I can't do anything in in May. Then I'll start it in. I'll start wherever it started in beginning of June. If they say I can't do it in June, I'll do the last part of it <laughs> on the oh, west yeah. coast. But if they say I can't do that, then I'm just screwed for the whole year. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's basically over. Essentially, because you know I ain't gonna be able to reschedule nothing for. The rest of the year, that's for sure. So. Oh, yeah. But the record is um, acoustic record, solo record. The second, it's my second one, mm-hmm. uh, second acoustic record. And uh, this one features Trevor Dunn playing stand-up bass on it, on almost the vast majority of the record. And uh, Trevor's a very dear friend. Um, I played with him in Santa Moss. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, he played in the Melvins as well, Melvins Light, and, and yep. a lot of other incarnations of the Melvins he's played. And we... Uh, uh, like I said, I consider him a very dear friend, and that will go on long. That has nothing to do with music, you know. And, right. uh, having him on this record was a treat. I think he's a stellar musician, and the only only thing I told him to do because the songs were already done before he started, before uh, um, he came along, I said just one thing I want you to do is I want you to use your bow, and I want you to both use your bow and pick, you know, mm-hmm. use, your, use your use your fingers, and I want you to overplay. Yeah. That was it. So, <laughs> that's the only direction I gave him. So and the songs were down, so he just listened to him. Uh, two days, just laid down what he what he was doing, and I just all I could say was I love it. That's it. And he added another element to it that wasn't there. So I think maybe at some point down the line, when things get back to normal, maybe he, me and him can do a whole album together. That'd be amazing. Where I don't have everything written before. So. Right. <laughs> That'd be fun. But I, I hadn't planned on him being on it, so. You know, that's why it's a King Buzzo record with Trevor Dunn. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And uh, we look forward yeah. to it. May 15th. Can't wait. May 15th, Epicac Records. Uh, yep. Love the Melvins, too. Maggot's one of my favorite albums oh, of all you. time. Uh, I listen to Eggnog EP every Christmas. Uh, oh, yeah, of course. Try to get all my Holiday. friends to listen to it, too. Hogleg. It is the season. Ho- Hogleg's the shit. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the last one was Pinkus Abortion Technician. Is there anything yep. you kind of are working on loosely for the next one of that, the follow up? Uh, we have a few things, a few irons in the fire at the moment. So nice. Well, awesome. We'll see. This has kind of put a, 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 a roadblock in the way of us doing sure. stuff here and there for a little bit, but beyond that, we'll, we'll get a lot done. Hell yeah. Always oh, do. Well, I appreciate it. And uh, it's been awesome, and I really appreciate your time and, and just shooting no shit about... I'm talking about movies, you can do it all day. Yeah, man. I'll leave everybody with The Thing. I'll do my favorite quote from The Thing, and it'll translate to everybody who's stuck at home here, too. And it's the part where Gary's, you know, tied down, and, of course, uh, Palmer's already been melted, and they, they torch I him. I know the one you're talking about. They torch him in windows, and then yep. he says my favorite line in the whole film. So you guys have been through a lot, but I'd rather not spend the entire winter tied to this fucking couch. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, that's right. So yeah, he says it all calmly and then screams. <laughs> it's, it's beautiful. Tied to this fucking couch. <laughs> so that's uh, you know, uh, yeah. But I appreciate your time and, and and be safe, and we look forward to the the King Buzzo record and uh, whatever else you have to come, and hopefully everything works out. You can get some shows out of it, you know, and we'll see. Thank you. And, uh, While you're sitting in your house, watch the thing. Yeah, I'll actually watch it. Yeah, I'm gonna probably do that here soon. But yeah, thank you so much for your time, and it's been a lot of thank fun. Thank you. Man. I'll talk to you later. All right, thank you, man.